The U.S. men's national team is back May 30th against Switzerland in the last friendly before the fixtures start getting competitive this summer. Stars and Strikes, the road to guitar 2022, about to get started. Let's go. That's right. We got a big one coming up. We've played against the likes of a lot of uh, CONCACAF teams. We've played against some European teams, Wales, Northern Ireland. But this is another big one against Switzerland, which is really going to put our guys to the test. Um, and lucky for, us, lucky for us, I think it's going to be another good display of talent based off of just the uh, preliminary squad list that we got pulled up for the game uh, next week. But, yeah, I think it's going to be – um, it's going to be a fun one considering all the guys that we have coming out. Obviously, some guys aren't there as well, but for good reason. Um, so Switzerland, a good opponent, just like that of Northern Ireland and Wales, a good um, European opponent to test ourselves again. Obviously not up there with the best, but uh, Chaz, what are you thinking? Um, what are your main thoughts coming up um, for this camp, especially when it comes to looking at the squad first time around? Yeah, before we even get into like you know our squad reactions, you got to think about that this is an important game. This is the last – you know, time we're going to see these guys together before we play in the Nations League and before we get into the Gold Cup and uh, into World Cup qualifying. So this is, a, this is a big time thing. This is Greg's last experiment before the games really start to count. And, you know, this is also a big time friendly for Switzerland because this is their last preparations before the Euros. And that's a tournament that they're looking, you know, and they're feeling confident going into. Say what you want about FIFA rankings. We both think they're a bunch of BS, because they are. But Switzerland's ranked 13th in the world right now. They have the U.S. ranked down uh, – they have us ranked down at 20th. So, you know, this is a, this is a good competition. This is, this is not a random Trinidad and Tobago game. This is not a random um, – you know, even, even like Wales or uh, Northern Ireland type match. This is a top, you know, team with top players. They got players playing at some of the biggest clubs in the world. And I think it's a really good matchup to see where this U.S. men's national team is at, where is at, because I think in terms of the levels of where these teams are at, I think it's pretty, it's pretty even. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it's, it seems like, like uh, we've been building up, up with, uh, with just the, the squad ever since, you know, we, we first started seeing these players come together. We saw some European players together and then MLS players. And then now it's starting to get more fine-tuned as to um, players that are going to play a role going forward into the bigger, more competitive um, competitions and, you know, what works best. So um, it seems that we're finally starting to grind out what our best 11 looks like. And for, for, um, for this camp in particular, we're going to be missing out on a, f a few key players because of the Champions League. Um, you know, honestly, props to them for being over and doing their things on, on as big as a stage it can get apart from the World Cup. But um, I think it's going to be really telling to to see kind of the core without um, Zach Steffen, the core of this team, to see how they operate um, against a like-for-like opponent, like you mentioned, that Switzerland, Switzerland could be considered. Yeah, obviously, we're also without prior best player, correction, without our best player, Christian Pulisic, who uh, hopefully is going to have a big impact on that Champions League final. We mentioned Zach Steffen also in a more sad uh, note. We're not going to be with, we're going to be without Aaron Long for a long time, just towards Achilles. So that's going to be, uh, you know, he's not going to be here for the majority of uh, World Cup qualifying even. So that's hopefully he gets back, uh, you know, back to his best soon, back to health because that Achilles injury is not a fun, 
that's not a fun one. That's a, that's a long, long road back. And Aaron Long's a, an important member of this team. You know, I think prior to the injury, we both would agree that he was um, probably in and around our best 11 easily uh, in that squad. We've seen when he's done with New York Red Bulls and how he's played for the national team in recent times. So, you know, you just gotta, you just gotta feel bad for the guy and hope he, hope he recovers well when he's back in this team before 2022 um, you know, by the end of World Cup qualifying and into uh, hopefully the World Cup. Yeah, it's it's honestly upsetting because cause we we saw um, we saw Long and, and you know all the games that he's played for us in recent times and and like you mentioned, he, he was the guy that was looking most likely to partner John Brooks um, in a position where we have a lot of guys that can do the job. It looked like Long was was going to be the answer to the question, like who is going to edge, you know the the leader of the wolves uh, and become the leader of the wolves um but um yeah just honestly really really sad news i mean not just for the national team to just player himself it's not a not an easy injury to deal with um but like i mentioned you know we that is a position where um there has been arguments in recent times who is going to be that partner to john brooks so if aaron long was the answer um, this is the opportunity, you know, we got to find a new, new answer to fill that spot real quick. Cause we got competitive soccer coming up. Um, so, you know, going into looking at that, um, roster now, um, looking at the defenders, we got, um, I think the main debate is going to be between, um, Mark McKenzie and, uh, who else do we got in there? Matt, uh, Matt Miazga. So, um, what are your, what is your take on that kind of matchup right there between those, those two? I mean, uh, they both play in the same the same league kind of both against the same opponents. So what do you think, who do you think takes the edge there? Yeah. Shout out to Matt Miazga just scored a goal recently for Anderlecht. So uh, well on for him. And that's a tough one. Matt Miazga is the more experienced of the two. Both are still young center backs. Um, Mark McKenzie just moved over to Europe from uh, uh, Philadelphia union now playing with gank. And that's the question mark here. Um, I, I think I expect both of them to play. I don't know if, um, Maybe they'll do half and half or whoever does well in camp. I, I think that's a big, a big time thing because these are two of the guys and probably the top two candidates um, that can partner John Brooks as we go into these competitive fixtures. You would expect a guy like um, uh, Chris Richards to feature in that. However, too bad. Uh, sadly, he's out with a little bit of an injury, not a long-term one, uh, but he's going to miss the last couple of games of the season for Hoffenheim as, as his loan uh, ends there. He's had a, a really good season over there in Germany. He's a young player that's improved a lot. So I think maybe he's a player that shoots his name into the hat. But right now, I think between the two of them, it's almost a toss-up because we've seen some good moments from both of them uh, in their appearances. And we've also seen some uh, bonehead, boneheaded mistakes from the two of them. Um, obviously, Matt Miazga, we've seen a little bit more of both, being that he's the more experienced one of the two, which it leads me to believe that's probably where – I think Greg Berhalter would go, especially early um, in the uh, competitive uh, in the in the competitive games. And then as Mark McKenzie gets more and more accustomed, if if he starts to prove himself, you know, in training and everything, that he's the better option. Then I could see that's that's where he goes. But Matt Miazga, I think, is where they're going to start with early, just based on the fact that he's been around more, he's played with John Brooks more, and yeah, just try and start to build up that uh, chemistry. Talk about um, Miazga being, you know, the more experienced of the two players. Can you see a reality where we have a back three that includes Tim Ream? I don't want to see Tim Ream in this. <laughs> if I'm being completely honest, 
Um, I, I think we have the the ability to play a back three with the wing backs. Um, you know, with the guys like Serginio Dest, like Reggie Cannon, like Anthony Robinson. But at the end of the day, I think that playing a back five or a back three would actually hinder what we have going forward. I think, you know, the strengths of this team, especially this, this squad in particularly, are midfielders and uh, on the wings. And I think we're, we'd be leaving out a guy like, you know, like Yunus Musa possibly, or a guy like Brendan Aronson out of the team for Tim Ream. I mean, I'm not trying to say it's less exciting, but Tim Ream is a guy that's definitely on the back half of his career. He hasn't had a great season for Fulham. Um, you know, they're getting relegated. Anthony Robinson's definitely been the brighter of the two of them. And uh, I think if Tim Ream gets in this team, I think obviously the left back role is an option and that maybe in the, uh, center back role maybe he throws his hat into the name because uh, obviously he's more experienced than the two center backs we were talking to before but I I just feel like if we put Tim Riemann we'll be we'd be losing something going forward yeah and and um just to kind of go off of that I almost asked a question rhetorically because you know I totally agree with you I think um not only going forward attacking wide but just going forward as far as this team has progressed um systematically um I think Going going to a back three with Tim Ream, I believe we've tried it before, and it just I think it it kind of hinders at the what the 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 style of play that Greg Berhalter is trying to get at. So um, you know Tim Ream in general, I don't think is going to be um, you know fingers crossed. I don't think he he's one of the leading options. I think we definitely need to start phasing him out. I think he's a good um, figurehead in the side, but um, I know, agree. Yeah, it's 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 good to it's have more, him around. More, but. more to be the experienced guy to kind of show the younger players like how to act and how to be. I just think, like you said, at this stage in his career, there are players that are better than him. But I do see the val- there's there's definitely a value of having him in this camp and in this squad. Um, something I wanted to touch on is the return of DeAndre Yedlin. I was just about to get to that as well. Yeah, this I mean, he's back. He's had a little bit of a rough go with injuries over recent years. Um, he started to get healthy, played some really good games for Galatasaray over in Turkey, and he's back in the squad. And now we have four right backs mm-hmm. in this team, four capable yeah. right backs. You got Serginio Dest, who I think we both would agree is the most talented and probably right now playing at the highest level with Barcelona and is, I think, undoubtedly at this point the best um, of the four. Then you got a guy like Reggie Cannon, who just uh, finished up his first season with Balvista. Uh, avoiding relegation over in Portugal and then Brian Reynolds who's just debuted a couple times played his first few games for Roma and then Yedlin so that's going to be an interesting role to see maybe do we see a Serginio Dest do we see a DeAndre Yedlin Reggie Cannon flip over to the left side because right now Anthony Robinson and Tim Reamer are two you know left-sided defenders that we have so that's going to be an interesting thing and it's, it's it's a good problem to have because DeAndre Yedlin is a very talented player. He's absolutely rapid. Maybe he's lost a yard of space, but um, going forward, there's there's not many attacking fullbacks that uh, you think can be more dangerous on their on their day. Mm-hmm. And I think, like you mentioned, it's a good problem to have. Um, but I think this this uh, is going to be depending how this camp goes. It could be the you know just further solidifying solidifying. Um, Best at that left back spot. I mean, as much as we we may think he plays better on the right, um, and you know we may think he plays better linking up with Gio 
Um, I think it's, it's, you know, because of our depth on the right, we have to take advantage of the guys like DeAndre Yedlin and, um, you know, permitting that he does, he does perform well and he has been performing well with Galatasaray. Um, it, it's just, it's, it's, we have this argument all the time of, you know, which side we prefer deaths on. Um, but now we have even more bigger names coming in to make the argument even more difficult. So I think this just kind of um, weighs the scale in favor of him playing on the left now because, um, you know, you could have that, that depth on the left being Dest and Robinson, um, and then you could have that depth on the right being Yedlin and um, um, Reggie Cannon as well. So um, I, think, I think it's, it's um, yeah, like, like you said, good problem to have. I, th- I hope we get to see Yedlin play against Switzerland because it's, it, it'll be very telling of, of what his role in this team can potentially be. Yeah. And you know, it's a conversation that we're going to have for years to come is uh, until we find that nailed on left back, should, are we better off playing maybe one of our second best or third best right back over at left back, or are we better at playing Serginio Dest over on that left side? It's, it's, are we going to try and get the best out of Serginio? Are we trying to get the best out of the team and, and what works out? So that's going to be a conversation going forward. Um, last defender I want to touch on, Justin Che from Bayern Munich 2. Uh, just finished up his first season over in Europe, 17 years old, uh, making his first, first camp. So good for him. Maybe we'll see him get an appearance. I don't think it's likely that he probably gets into this game, just being that it's a, uh, you know, a big time, a big time friendly that we're trying to prepare for. And I don't think he's probably ready yet. But it's just good for a young player like that to get in the camp and uh, start to get accustomed to how they do things. Uh, moving on in the midfield, I think the first thing that stands out is the, is the return of Julian Green. The Colt classic hero, man. He's, he's made a return. And it's, it's exciting because, you know, we, you, he, we talked in our last episode about, you know, these kind of players, um, you know, working in the background. While we talk about Yunus Musa, while we talk about McKenney, you know, the big guns. Uh, Julian Green was was you know on the scene years back, and and he's been he's still been working since, um, and he's been doing big things in Bundesliga too. So I think it's about time that he gets a call up. Um, he's a player which you know maybe like Justin Che, you know who knows how big of an influence that he's going to have in this camp just because it's a bit more of a serious friendly and in which we do want to make the most out of. Um, it's good to, but like you said, it's good to have him, you know integrated with the national team again especially this new national team that he hasn't been a part of um since he was you know with the older group um you know the uh the pre pre golden era um national team so um i'm I, i'm not sure what his his impact is going to be with the team I'm, i i could more so see him coming off the bench for sure which i would love to see um but definitely good to have him around the guys again because who knows what he can bring to this team now these new batch of guys yeah, and he's also playing in a new role. You know, when he first came through and we first were talking about him, was more of an attacking midfielder uh, as a winger and as, a, as, you know, as a false nine type player. Since he's uh, played now uh, over in the Bundesliga 2 with, how do we pronounce this, Gruther Firth. Sorry, my uh, German's not great. But so far this season, he played 29 games, scored eight goals and had two assists. So he's a goal-scoring option from midfield. And that's something – you know, that I think is a valuable asset to this team. And it's also hard to forget because he's been around for so long. He still recently just turned 25. Like he, he's still relatively a young player that has a lot of room to grow. I think he's definitely a player that um, 
other bigger clubs will be looking at going forward, given that the season that he's having, uh, they're fighting for uh, promotion right now. They're only two points, I believe two points off the, the top of the table right now uh, over in the Bundesliga two. Yeah. They're in third place, three points off top uh, only one point behind second place, hostile Kiel and second place. So this is a team still fighting for, for promotion. So this is, it's very realistic that we see him playing in the Bundesliga again next season, whether it be with Gruther fourth or, um, you know, playing for a bigger team that comes and scoops him up because he's a player that kind of fell off the radar and is really starting to regain himself, uh, get back his fitness after a couple injury uh, problems. And, uh, you know, hopefully we're seeing him back at his best in a different role. Yeah, honestly. And, and before we get on to some of the other midfield guys, real talk, do you see him getting in over Sebastian Legette? <laughs> I mean, getting minutes over think- Sebastian Legette. That, I mean, here's the, the thing, here's the thing, right? Like we talk about goals from midfield and Sebastian Legette has done that on the national team stage. So has Julian Green. Obviously it's been in a different role and much more of a winger attacking midfield role. This is, he's much morphed into a box to box type player and he's excelled in that role. I think this camp is going to be very, very telling. I think this is a camp for both of them to really need to know that they you know you got to step up your stuff um I think you could put Kellen Acosta in that um argument Michael Bradley who knows what it's going to be the return of him coming into these competitive fixtures are we going to see him what's his fitness level going to be so I, I think Julian Green has a real a real chance to carve out a role in this team being that he has a lot of end product from the midfield position and we always joke about Sebastian Legette being like we don't get why he's in this team but he always seems to perform and show up at the at random times and, and, you know, grab a goal here and there if he doesn't do anything. And Greg Berhalter loves him. He loves the versatility. And Julian Green offers a lot of the same things that Sebastian Legette offers. So it's very possible it, it could be whoever gels with it and whoever can come off the bench and make an impact. Because I think right now we know what our best midfield three looking at this squad is. That's um, going to be reflected in our preferred starting 11s. But we've talked about it a lot on this show with Tyler Adams, Weston McKenney, and Eunice Musa. The dynamic, you know, midfield three, I think, is pretty nailed on right now as, as the best three that we have. In terms of this squad, who knows, uh, you know, what type of system or whatever they make. Maybe they drop Christian back in there, and who knows. But I think that there's a role for him and it's going to be used as an impact sub and his goals from midfield are really, really where he can, uh, you know, nail down a spot in this team going forward. Yep, for sure. And that's, that's part of the reason why I brought up Sebastian Majette to begin with is because I think that um, it would be great if we could see, um, you know, Julian Green, you know, contend that that position that Sebastian Legette has right now because Legette gets um it has has a big part of this national team and um you know he's he's one of the the more senior players uh, he's not not as old as say Michael Bradley but but look if if we have younger guys fighting for that spot you know all to them and I think I think Julian Green brings that sort of um that competition to the table for Sebastian Legette um, which may not have been there before, maybe from Kellen Acosta, a bit more of a defensive player. But um, I think it'll be super cool to see if Julian Green could kind of take over that role from Sebastian Legette and um, 
um, you know, keep providing goals and as well be a, be a good influence off the, be- the bench. Yeah, and, you know, the, a couple of the other names we didn't mention there, Jackson Ewell, Kellen Acosta, two of the other guys fighting for that deputy holding midfield role behind Tyler Adams. Um, Jackson Ewell is a guy that, uh, you know, we, we've been very critical of, um, you know, but I think he showed us something in that Olympic qualifying. It, it was an extremely disappointing thing not to qualify for that Olympics in the way that we didn't. However, I think Jackson Ewell in that final game, even though we lost, he was – he was a standout. I think I saw something from him, a fire that I didn't see before. And I want to see that fire on a more consistent basis. I want to see what he can do maybe with this national team coming off the bench, something like that, maybe in a camp, because the reality is, is Tyler Adams right now, I think is he, he's significantly better than the rest of the holding midfielders that we have right now in terms of, you know, who's going to play in that six. Um, and we talk about Michael Bradley, Michael Bradley's lurking. Does Jackson Yule, do Kellen Acosta want to be in that team or are they going to bring back Michael Bradley, the old head, uh, the experience, all the, you know, the former captain, everything that, you know, Michael has done or are Jackson Yule and Kellen Acosta going to grab these opportunities by the neck and nail down a spot in the squad. And, and, and to talk about Jackson Yule in a bad light, um, you know, it's only being critical of, you know, the player that he can be and all that, because he, he definitely can play a role in this team, depending on the opponent we're going up against, you know, it's, it's, it's all going to come down to who we're playing against in the big games and what system we choose to go with. Um, So that being said, that's, that's when we're going to have to make that choice between, you know, Ewell Bradley and, and, you know, players, you know, players in that, that position. So, um, but like you mentioned with the, the, the Olympic qualifying, that was, that was honestly super cool. And that's, that's something that I want to see from more players as well. Um, you know, friendlies, maybe not, you may not need that sort of passion as well, but, but, you know, that was, that was like that, that, that passion, you know, in competitive games is, is going to be what gives some players the edge as well. So to know that you'll, uh, you know, takes this game seriously as, as one can argue that some of those players in, in uh, the, Olympic qualifying did not. He is a guy that takes this seriously, and and you know it's good to see, and 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 I give him props for that. Yeah. Then moving on to the forwards, Brendan Aronson, Daryl DK, Matthew Hoppy making his first um, senior national team camp's been on fire over there for uh, Schalke. You mentioned in the last episode we did he carried uh, Schalke to a win uh, against Frankfurt, a goal and an assist. He had a hat trick earlier this season. So good time, a big time, a good first season over in Germany for Matthew Hoppy, Gio Reyna, Josh Sargent, Jordan Sibichu over with Young Boys, and Tim Weah, who could be in line uh, maybe by the time this episode goes out uh, with another French League, League One uh, title winning, winning medal, this time with uh, Lille. Yeah, I think this, this, uh, this, this our forward options in the, at this camp seems to be as like young and inexperienced as you could get. You know, our, I think our most experience we have here is Josh Sargent. And I think that's super cool to have these young guys leading the line. Um, and, you know, chances are we'll probably see, you know, Raina, Sargent, um, and Aronson up top. But um, that, that doesn't mean that these other guys aren't going to get opportunities as well, because, you know, it's, it's when guys are this young and, you know, this inexperienced, it, it's really 
anyone's game to play for. Um, you know, who knows? What if Hoppy comes off the bench and does what Hoppy does and scores scores a hat trick or something? You know, that's 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 exactly the type of impact that any of these young players can make. So that's why I just kind of love how this roster is looking when it comes down to the forwards, is because it's it's really open to these young individuals making the most out of the opportunity given. You know, there's no there's no nailed down starters in this list of of uh, forwards right now. I mean, you could argue Gio Reyna. Um, of course, he's one of our best young players. But, but um, you know, if anybody has a good game, anybody, any one of those spots are there for the taking of these young guys. Yeah, absolutely. We talk about a guy like Daryl DK, who's just been absolutely on fire this season in the championship for Barnsley. Nine goals in 19 games since he's uh, been over there on loan from Orlando City he's a guy that a lot of bigger clubs are looking at I think he's definitely a player that we could hopefully see in the Premier League next season obviously Orlando City want him back over in MLS but if I'm Daryl DK in his career I think I think he can he can make that next step up I think he's shown that he has the physical ability to play over in Europe I think he's shown that he has the technical ability to play over in Europe and uh, hopefully he gets a shot with a bigger club um Barnsley are still fighting for promotion. So maybe he, you know, signs on permanently there if they do end up winning promotion through the playoff. But uh, yeah, he's another exciting player. We saw him, you know, in the last couple of camps, he hasn't quite got a goal yet, but he's always been, uh, he's been so close to getting that first uh, national senior team goal. And you just got to hope maybe he, uh, maybe he comes off the bench. Maybe he gets the start and uh, gets his first goal against Switzerland. Yeah, and the, the the fans in England love this guy too. Uh, if I was Daryl DK, I would not want to leave. And you know, that people people love the name Daryl DK. They love seeing him play, and he's scoring great goals for them as well overseas. You know, there's there's little to no incentive for. I mean, at least you know myself as a, um, a full time student at school, I I wouldn't take that opportunity to go back to the United States if I was if I was balling up in Europe. But um, we'll see what. Um, kind of grip Orlando City has on this situation and and you know ultimately what he comes down to because dude he's he he could he could totally make the Premier League his if he continues the way he is yep and then a guy like Jordan Sibichu we haven't talked about him just recently inked a permanent deal with young boys over in Switzerland had a good first season uh, for them just won the Swiss League title so congratulations to Jordan Sibichu another guy that's just tossing his name into that habit it's a good problem to have when you have all these young players uh you know into the in there there's some guys that aren't even in this team that are going to be you know considered we, we talked about the the old heads of Michael Bradley Josie Altidore is a guy that's going to be kicking around if he's healthy um Nicholas Joachini he's had some really good performances so far this season uh and just recently for the U.S. men's national team he's not a member of this squad obviously Matthew Hoppy uh Christian Pulisic's going to be back in this team so where what type of uh you know what does that mean for some of the other players who plays better with him? And, and it's really cool to see all this uh, good stuff happening. Yes, sir. We got a lot of good options up top, a lot of good young options, and that'll definitely be expressed when we talk about our starting, our preferred starting 11. So let's get right into that. Let's talk about, um, you know, who we want to see play and, you know, what, how we want to see ourselves play our expectations for the match, starting off with our goalkeeper. Um, I went ahead and put a uh, Ochoa in there. Honestly, uh, coming off of that, um, that those games for the in the Olympic qualifying, I think he was one of those guys like Jackson Mule that we talked about um, being 
uh, a player that that looked like he was there to play and to a player that looked like he was there to win um he was definitely arguably one of the best guys of of you know the the playoff round of the tournament and um just just seeing that commitment as as well as coming up with big saves was super impressive for me so i want to see him you know get a get a run out with the uh, the big boys as well yeah you mentioned uh greg burhalter said they didn't have a ton of youth in the team and that's reflected by the two other goalkeepers that i went with ethan horvath uh obviously he'd been the deputy to Simon Mignolet over in belgium um with club brews this season however i think it's just I think he's the closest one to making a start if Zach Steffen goes down based on the other two that we have in the squad. Adunze and uh, David Ochoa both are still relatively young and inexperienced players. Um, so if something were to happen to Zach Steffen, I think that Ethan Horvath is the more likely uh, of the three to make a start. And I think a lot of this just has to do with preparing for the competitive fixtures coming up this summer in Nations League, in the Gold Cup, and then ultimately in, in World Cup qualifying. So I went with Eden Horvath. Moving on to the, to the uh, defense, I went with Anthony Robinson at left back, John Brooks and Matt Miazga, the partnership in the center of defense, and then with Serginio Dest uh, in his preferred right back role. Yeah, I, I, I went for something a little bit different. I went with uh, DeAndre Yedlin slotting in right away in that right back spot. Um, and then Brooks McKenzie and Serginio Dest, of course, rounding out that back line. Um, honestly, for me, I just, I just really want to see Yedlin back, um, a, kind of a, kind of the same situation with how I, how I felt about Julian Green, just seeing how he plays with these new guys. Um, you know, who, who knows what he may offer with this new batch of players. Um, so I think if there is an opportunity to check that out, it's going to be now before things get competitive. So, um, you have a good player on your hands in, uh, DeAndre Yedlin and, you want to test that out. You want to test the waters to see how he's going to operate in this back four before you just, you know, throw him into, uh, you know, actual competitive matches. So I think this is the last opportunity where we could, um, you know, see how he operates in this team. And, and I'd love to see that, to see him take up that role. We've seen Robinson, we've seen um, Reggie Cannon. Um, I think they've gotten their opportunities um, when it comes down to death. Obviously I think he has that spot on lock, but um, right back spot how we talked about that spot having so much depth I think now is should be the chance where we see DeAndre Yedlin get his 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 shot at the position yeah and, and that's a that's a real you know a conundrum or a, a tough decision that Greg Berhalter is going to have to make is how are we going to what's the balance of this back line going to be um, I, I went with Miazga over McKenzie because of the like I said the experience I think that it's more likely that he starts early. Um, I think it's definitely possible Mark McKenzie maybe takes over, but Miazga has been in good form as well. And um, I think getting a, ba a solid back four playing together is the most important thing moving in to these competitive matches this is going to be a good test. You know, Switzerland has some really good attacking players. Um, Jordan Securiat on the right. You got the young guys up, up front. I, I'm blanking on his name right now. Briel Mbolo, excuse me, uh, is a powerful center forward. He's going to cause some issues for it. Uh, so, you know, I guess this is a good Switzerland team that we're going to be going up against. And I think that it's going to be a good test for the back line and it can help prepare them for some of the better teams that we're going to see over in, uh, in CONCACAF. Obviously, I think they're better than a lot of the teams that we're going to face in CONCACAF. Um, 
do I think that they quite have the firepower that Mexico has going forward? No. Do I think they have the firepower that maybe is likened to a team maybe like Canada or Costa Rica? It's probably a little bit better. So it, it's a good test, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to really help prepare these back four for you know, a lot of different things that they're going to face as we get to the competitive games. Yeah, it's, it's definitely something we want to figure out sooner rather than later because we can't afford, you know, rotating center backs between, you know, these, these tournaments. You know, if things don't work, we can't, we can't afford to take that risk, um, you know, if, if one center back isn't, isn't pulling his way as he should. So um, it is, this game is going to be very telling as to who potentially can take up that role, that, that void that uh, is left there from Aaron Long's injury. Um, I, I put Mark McKenzie, but, you know, as we're talking about it, it is it is quite a toss-up. Mark McKenzie does offer that power, that strength. Um, so it's 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 going to be, I think, like you said, they're going to both get their opportunity, and we'll see who makes the most out of it. We'll see what Greg thinks. Absolutely. And then uh, moving on to the midfield, I, I if I were to bet, I'm going to guess we probably won't the same midfield three of – Tyler Adams, Weston McKinney, and Eunice Musa. I think that's probably the thing I'm most excited to see play again. Uh, when we've seen the three of them play together, and even just at times two of them play together, it's, it's been really exciting. Their skills seem to just complement each other very well. They already seem to have a very good relationship of, you know, where to be, how to play the ball, um, when to press, when to defend, who's going forward, who's covering. And I can't wait to see them do that again against a – you know, like we said, a very good Swiss Swiss team. Granit Xhaka, you know, he gets hate from Arsenal, but that Granit Xhaka is a very good holding midfielder, and that's going to be a test for this midfield three alongside like Steven Zuber and stuff like that. So, I like I said, I just can't wait to see these three play together because I, I, I mean, I don't, I, I'm stuttering over it. It's it's the Stephen A thing. It's like it's just so exciting because we all can see the athleticism, the technical ability the talent from all three of these guys, it just seems to fit together. And yeah, I, I don't yeah, know. I'm bold, of, bold of you to think that I didn't, I didn't choose Kellen Acosta, Sebastian Leggett and Julian Green as my midfield three. But, um, but honestly, yeah, same, same three for me, because like you mentioned, couldn't have said it um, in any more uh, different ways myself. Um, those three just click together in, in a way that can't be replicated. So um, though, you know, McKenny Adams and Musa are uh, especially going into the competitive games seeing these guys together more and more is just going to make them better and better so would love to see that against Switzerland um, not too much else to say you know you know how we feel about it so let's get let's get into that front three where there might be a bit more controversy um, let's see I, I let's we'll go place by place I ended up putting actually uh, let's talk striker first maybe I sure, put striker that's where we might have a little bit more of the uh, disagreement. I actually went with Daryl DK over Josh Sargent. Um, he's been in great form, obviously, for Barnsley. Josh Sargent is playing in a better uh, league. But I think Daryl DK um, is a guy that just offers something else. He's that big target man. He's really going to cause the Swiss back four some problems with his physical ability. Um, we saw him come off the bench in that Northern Ireland game and have an immediate impact. I want to see what he can do over an extended period of time. Um, we know what Josh Sargent brings. We know that um, he's the guy that'll run the channels. He'll be able to pick the ball up deep from midfield. He'll work hard. He'll press. Um, I, I want to see what we have out of Daryl DK. I want to see if he's going to be a guy that can be an option, not just coming off the bench, but maybe from the start. 
uh, we know he can be an impact sub. I want to see what he can do. I want to see him get a goal. Yeah, and and it, like you mentioned, we've seen Josh Sargent. You know, the more the more the more I listen to you talk about it, I, I question why I put Josh Sargent, but I really do want to see more from him because we saw him play against uh, Jamaica, I think it was, and um, he played well that game. He didn't he didn't uh, contribute to a goal, but he has that work ethic that will open up for those creative players around him. And yeah, nice assist against Northern Ireland. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's he's. He, he's got a lot to offer just apart from his, you know, um, finishing ability as a striker or whatnot, um, which I think Daryl DK definitely has that aspect of the game over him. But um, I'd like to see a bit more of, you know, if Josh Sargent is our most senior member of this attacking team, maybe apart from Sivichu, who is also 25, I believe. But I think... Um, I want to see what he can offer to the young guys around him. Um, yeah, and, oh, you go. Sorry. Oh, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say it's kind of a flip side of that back four. Um, in the attacking roles, I think is in a friendly like this, this is where you can test things out. I don't think maybe the continuity of playing together is as important or as crucial maybe as a back four, even a midfield three, when you know who your, you know, you know who your guys are going to be. Um, because the reality is you don't have Christian Pulisic in this team right now. And that almost changes everything up. And there's so many different players that don't have a nailed on role. We don't have specific nailed on starters in specific roles up three. The front three is completely up for grabs aside from Christian. I mean, we don't know, even know where Christian's going to play in that front three. For all we know, he could go, we could go four, two, three, one and play Christian as a 10. Um, so these guys we haven't quite had the, the chance to see them as we have from maybe some guys that were earlier in the squad. And that's why I wanted to see DK. Cause I, he's an exciting player. I want to see what he can do. And if he can, uh, you know, grab a goal. Cause we know Josh Sargent, we know what Josh Sargent offers. Um, and had this been Mexico right now in world cup qualifying or gold cup, I'd probably say start, jo- start Josh Sargent, but being that it's a friendly and I want to see what the ceiling can be like with a Daryl DK give Daryl a shot. Yeah. And I think a lot of it comes down to, you know, who you have around the central striker as well, because, you know, who is going to best asset his game. And when it comes to, um, you know, a big guy in the box, like DK, you want the most creative players around him. So, um, you know, I think Josh Sargent as well would uh, create, create room for players like, you know, Reyna and Aaronson to operate as well. So that's kind of why I threw him in here. My, my two wingers would, um, or at least wide players that I would like to see would be Brennan Aronson and Gio Reyna um, next to or on either side of Josh Sargent. I think their creativity in the wide areas will, especially with uh, Sargent's movement, will will give us some good, good, uh, good, good opportunities for scoring. It'll be interesting to see, um, you know, how that'll how how that'll change though if we have you know a big central striker like DK. Um, if that may be the more beneficial way of playing the better, the, the better, um, you know, system of play, as opposed to, you know, you know, Josh Sargent running, running through, you know, passages and stuff like that, uh, link up play with the uh, Aronson and Reyna. We'll see which, which tends to be more beneficial. So. Yeah. I went with the two same wingers, Aronson out on the left and then Gio out on the right. Um, two guys that I'm excited to see play again, especially, you know, we haven't, uh, we haven't seen them play together for a while. It's, it's been, it's been a minute since we've seen these guys play and 
Uh, I'm excited to see them back in a U.S. men's national team shirt. And I want to see what they can do against a really good Switzerland team. Jan Sommer's a good goalkeeper. They got a Kanji's a really good accomplished center back. And this is going to be a big time test for this team. This is where we're going to see where a lot of these players are at. We've seen them play well in some of these games against local, um, you know, CONCACAF teams, maybe some lesser European teams. Sorry about the phone in the background. Driving me crazy. The ADHD is off the wire. But uh, back to U.S. soccer, it's going to be a big test. I've said it a million times, and I'm really excited for it. Um, so why don't we get into our uh, expectations for the game? Ryan, what, how do you see this match unfolding? Um, honestly, it's, it's, I think it's, it's going to be more of a grind. I could see this one being a bit more like that Wales game where there wasn't, you know, we, we we're so accustomed to seeing these guys dominate and put up like, you know, seven O's, six twos, six O's. And, and this is definitely not going to be one of those games. This game is going to be a grind. And I think a lot of it's going to come down to that midfield. Um, so as long as, you know, we have that midfield three ticking, like we're so excited to see, um, it's it, I think it that'll play in our favor. Um, a lot of it is also, I think, going to come down to um, how our attacking players are taking off and, you know, moving the ball out of midfield into attack. Because, um, you know, it's it's hard to say, like I mentioned just prior, which, you know, if Sargent or DK would be most beneficial in this scenario. Um, so it's, it's, I think a lot of it comes down to uh, the equation that Switzerland's up to, you know, if we, if, if, if we can find, if we're going to have to, you know, squeeze our way through with passing, then so be it. I think Josh Sargent would be great in that scenario, but if that's not working, bring on the, bring, bring on the big guns from the bench and let's whip in some balls and take care of them that way. So I think it's definitely going to be a grind where we're going to have to, you know, figure out, get a hold of the game as we, as it goes through. Yeah, and it's going to be a test for Greg Berhalter's system. You know, he likes to try and play out from the back and at times against some of the better teams we've been caught out. Um, I think right now the players that we have maybe for this squad, it probably fits better with guys like Serginio Dest who are very comfortable on the ball. Um, we had that dynamic midfield, so I think I, I would like to see us press high up the field similarly to how we played in that Wales game, in that Northern Ireland game. Obviously a different class of opponent, especially in the latter game. However, I think this midfield three is at their best when they're, you know, doing what they do well, showing their athleticism, being able to, you know, keep that high tempo to the way we play, get the ball, break quick early, play fast, um, and, you know, utilize Gio Reyna and Brendan Aronson out in space and help them do what they do well. But like you said, this is going to be a back-and-forth game. It's, it's not going to be an easy win. Um, and I think this is where uh, we could really see our midfield shine in terms of doing the dirty work. Um, and, and like I said, I, I can't wait to see this team play against a comparable opponent to really get a true test of where a lot of these players are. Yeah. And then just looking now at, at some of the you know previous fixtures that Switzerland's have obviously mentioned that we've played a lot of CONCACAF opponents, Northern Ireland, Wales, a bit lesser of, you know, lower end of the, uh, the European um, teams, but, but um, Switzerland has fared, against some of the European giants. I mean, just reading a couple in the Nations League, a 1-1 draw to Spain, a 2-1 loss to Belgium, Belgium, which is not bad at all, uh, as well as a 3-3 draw to Germany. And, and that's, that's, that, that's pretty huge considering that, you know, now we're going up against this opponent and let's see how we fare. If, if You know, they're being narrowly beaten by Europe's best national teams. Um, I think this could be... Um, 
a, a real test of where the United States falls in that equation of European teams because, um, you know, Switzerland is not, not as much of, you know, an, an easy run in the park as, say, Northern, Northern Ireland or, or Wales would, would have and should have been for us. Now this is a, you know, a, a pretty, pretty decent European opponent that, that has, has fared against big European sides as well. So before we ramble on a little bit more uh, or, or too much, I should say, score predictions. Score predictions. Um, so I got to predict that we're winning this one. And I'm going to say it's going to be, it's going to be a grind. So I'm going to say it's going to be a 2-1. Um, as far as goal scorers go, I think one's coming from um, Giovanni Reina and one's coming from I'm feeling a Eunice Musa. Actually, I, did you just read my mind? Because <laughs> I was going to go with two one, uh, except uh, instead of uh, Eunice Musa, I was thinking Weston McKenney. I was, I was, I was tossing actually, the two of them up, but yeah, I, was I was tossing like, the two of them up. I was like, ah, I was going to say Eunice Musa. If you said Eunice Musa, I'll say McKenney and whatnot. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm feeling a two one victory as well. Man of the match. Man of the match, I think is going to be um, it's going to be Musa. Oh, okay. See, I've gone for Tyler Adams because I think it, it it his ability to break up Switzerland's play stop their counterattacks and, uh, you know, try and restart our attacks is going to be crucial. I think he is probably the X factor in this game. We talk about, you know, in some of those games, players trying to break that back line of, you know, the opposing team. But I feel like Switzerland's going to be the one that at times in this game are going to have the gas pedal down and we're going to have to be the ones that have to break up their play um, press and then get and try and hit them on the counterattack. So, for me, I think Tyler Adams is, is is going to be the X factor in this one. Yeah, but I mean, at at the same time too, if we're if we're if we're playing on the route of counterattacks, um, Musa is going to be that guy carrying the ball forward too. So I think this is going to be a big game from the two of them because midfield those are, three. I guess midfield three is where, uh, like I said, this I think this is a game where they can shine. That's where this the action. I think a lot of the action is going to happen in the midfield. So I'm looking forward to seeing it. Um, so two one from both of us. Two one from both of us. Hopefully right. the U.S. men's national team. No bets this time. No bets this time. Yeah. Well, I, I, we, I same same prediction. So same predictions. So <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. You know, great minds think alike, and obviously we're both geniuses here at Stars and Shreds. So <laughs> you don't get any bullshit. You don't get any bad things happening. But um, thank you guys all for joining us. The U.S. men's national team take on Switzerland May the thirtieth. Tune in for all the post match, pre match, and all the content from that Switzerland game and everything coming up this summer. Thank you all for joining us. For Ryan Deep, I'm Chaz Messman. See you guys. Peace.